0: Welcome to part five of masterclass, and I have someone who has the greatest class. My wife is here with me today. And
1: glad to be here. Very glad. I'm
0: full of those today. Watch it. I got a lot of them. Trying to get the points up. Um, <laughs> If you if you haven't been with us in this series, we're talking about love, sex, relationships, marriage, everything in between. Uh, We've we've been five weeks, four weeks in now, coming on on our fifth week. And the, the idea behind Masterclass, if if any of you maybe have seen the actual Masterclass that they have online, where they have these people that come in and teach about a topic, it's been this idea that we've got to let the one who designed relationships define relationships. And uh, we all know that God's the one that designed this. He's the one that designed us as male and female. He's the one that designed us in our marriages. He's the one that designed uh, all of this that we see. And so we're, gonna, we're letting Kim kind of speak to what he wants for us. And so if you haven't gone back and watched any of these, I encourage you to go back and watch them. In week one, we talked about the difference between relationships, uh, love, and infatuation with a message called, what is love? <laughs>
1: I won't be singing go, okay. today.
0: You're not singing today? No, you don't
1: want me you to. You
0: always sing.
1: <laughs> y'all want to hear, hear her sing? No, I'm not. I'm not singing. I'm not singing. What is that? I'm not singing. <laughs> I'm not singing.
0: <laughs> We're going to have a lot of fun I wasn't today. i was not
1: prepared for this.
0: So, so that was week one. Week two, we talked about um, that the currency of our relationships is trust. What do you do if trust has been broken? How do you rebuild trust? That's the bedrock. Uh, Then week three, we talked about communication and how it it is the blood. Like as blood is to the body, communication is to relationships Mm -hmm. and how good that is. And then last week, we talked about... Sex. Okay. I just wanted her to say it. Okay. (laughs) So we talked about how sex is good and sex is powerful and sex is glue and all those great things. So if you didn't get to watch any of those, Go back and watch them. They're really, really good. So today, though, we're going to kind of hit on a number of different things because um, that's just what we're going to do today. Lindsay and I have been married for 17 years. And yeah,
1: almost 18 next month.
0: Next month will be 18. Look at this right here. Look at that man right there. If I could go back and tell these these people something. (laughs) Uh, there's a lot that I would tell them. Yeah. I would tell them to listen to this message today. That we're about to do. Uh, so yeah. So this is this was us 17 years ago, April 12th, 2003.
1: Sure, that sounds good. Okay. All right. We're good. <laughs> I'm not good with going numbers, ahead. but we have been married 17 years. I yeah. do know that. Yeah, so 17 so. minus 2021,
0: 20, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. That's no, okay. I know, but all right. You know what I mean. So. So this is where I want to go today. I'm going to set up with a story, and then we're going to, we're going to dive into today. So, um, Lint and I bought a, a, a house in 2014, <clears throat> about six, seven years ago, that we were really excited about, because one of the things we were most excited about this house was it had a fireplace. It had a fireplace downstairs, watch this, and it had a fireplace in the master bedroom. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> I didn't need a fireplace in there, but it was all right. So... I'm full of them today, I'm telling you, and so, yeah, or full of. Yeah, yeah. I might be full of it, so. So we were so pumped because we've always wanted a fireplace. We just enjoy fireplaces. It's just you know, I, I love making fire. My boys love making fire. Um, we love sitting around the fire. Uh, just so many different things that we love, and so this past uh, ice storm that we had, uh, it. it it tested that in a lot of ways, because I, I realized I don't like making fires as much as I thought. <laughs> and so we- You like to we, start them. We, had to, we have, to, you have to, you have to go, you have to gather all the wood, you have to go cut the wood, first off, go cut the wood, get all the wood, put it in my truck, unload all the wood, put it in, my, put it in the racks that we have in our house, and then you know. Then the day that you wanna do it, you gotta go grab it. And, and now I have three mules, I mean, three boys. <laughs> and so- come on somebody. So the so my my mules will go get the wood for me and I'll throw it on their back and then we bring it into the house and <laughs> I'm kidding. And so we uh, so we you know we got to do you got to do all the work to get it going and make sure you get it. And once you get it going though as you know that's kind of that's that's there but then it's the responsibility of Keeping it going. Yeah. 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 And hard. so Lindsay and I, you know, we'll we'll oftentimes have meetings during the week. And so when we start something like during this time when the boys were home, it was, hey boys, one thing, <laughs> one thing. Keep the fire going. Keep the fire going. And so they had then had the responsibility of keeping this fire going and stoking it and putting more wood in that and all of that that's going there. And and I think. This parallels a lot to relationships and to marriage because all of us love the idea of marriage. All of us love to, to sit at the, the fireplace of marriage and get the heat from it. We just don't like the work. Amen. And if you want to get a fire going, it takes a little bit of work to get it going. But if you just go on autopilot after that, the flames don't stay. Mm-hmm. Right. The flames go out. You've got to stoke the coals and, and you've got to keep putting logs, logs on the fire if you really want it to, to, um, uh, to go. And so, isn't it amazing how, watch this, how people start out with such passion, get married, and then years later, only we can talk to each other through attorneys. How do we get to that point? How do we, how, how does something start so like, oh my God, this is the one, this is the person, this is everything. You have this epic wedding. And then years down the line, you don't even want to see each other. I would say that a lot of that is because someone, if not both, stopped putting logs on the fire. And so today, the title of today's message is
1: Logs on the Fire.
0: Logs on the Fire. And so we're going to talk about Um, ways that we can guard the passion going out. And and so today it's probably gonna have a little bit more of a lean towards those who are married, Um, but, but singles, please don't check out in any regards to this because this is all great things to, to understand. I I wish I could have gone back to this guy 17 years ago and told him some of the stuff that we're going to go through today. So we're going to give you, I think four or five logs that you need to make sure you put on the fire, uh, to keep your relationships going strong. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to the beauty
1: So with that being said, it's definitely easier if you've tended a fire to keep it going. It's still work, right? No matter what, just like marriage, it's going to be work. It's going to be work to to tend it and keep it. But if you keep it before the fire really dies down, it's easier to tend instead of letting it almost go to nothing. Then you almost have to start over. So just keep that in mind, like with marriage or relationships, it has to keep tending. You can't just light it and leave because then you've got nothing, you know, right? And add it to the boy's. A lot of times when we would leave, the fire would die too. Oh, I forgot. So uh, if you've had kids, you know how that is. But um, so a way that we can keep logs on the fire and to keep the fire going and to tend to it is we can celebrate differences. And so um, in Psalms, it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex and every man would probably say that about their wife. (laughs) Your, your workmanship, but it's men too. But anyway, your workmanship is marvelous. I said, amen. (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) I told y'all, I don't know what's what's going on today. I'm full of it. All right. Let me finish. How well I know it. And so by God's design, men and women are different. Years ago, young people probably will not know what I'm talking about. There was even a book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, right? That was a long time ago. But we've seen the differences early on. And um, even just um, men and women, you can have different personalities. So how many of you married someone that is almost an exact opposite of you? How many in here? Yeah, it's us. So a good majority. And even if you're not completely opposite, again, y'all have different personalities that make you different. You're all very different people. And at the beginning, opposites attract usually. And then towards the end, or not long into marriage, opposites attack. You're attacking each other. Most of your um, fights or offenses are over the differences that you had, but you loved it when you first got married, right? And so... um, Our personalities can be different, our thinking processes can be different, Um, our perspective can be very different. So we just wanted to give you a a few personal examples of our differences. We are pretty opposite, which I'm really thankful for, but I'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, I... I uh, love paper calendars. Like I get excited when I get to get a new calendar every year. I love paper paper calendars. calendars. Paper calendars. Paper calendars. You can see it. It's right in front of you. It's not gonna accidentally get deleted or something. (laughs) Um, Paper calendars, sticky notes. uh, That's all me. But Josh loves apps and Google calendars. And I'll still use it too because I'm trying to, you know, meet him halfway so he can have my stuff in there too. But very different. Um, for me, my mind never stops. I'm, my mind's always constantly going. We'll even be having conversations and we'll talk about one thing. And two seconds later, I say something and he's like, where did that come from? Just, just don't, you don't want to know the train of the thoughts. Just keep going. But Josh can drop it and in 2.5 seconds fall asleep <laughs> So at night. So those are very different. Not
0: in the middle of the conversation.
1: No, I meant just like he can shut it off and completely fall asleep really quickly. I cannot. <laughs> and he's always like, I'm like, I, I want to watch TV before I need to go to sleep. And he's like, just go to sleep. Just close your eyes. I'm like, it's not that easy. I can't just fall asleep. It's different. It's just different. And then uh, I am more of a rule follower. Josh is more of a rule breaker. And we have a personal example. Uh, we went to the Lake Arthur girls basketball game. Uh, I don't know. Was that last weekend? Or I don't know. I, the, I lose track of time. So they have the stadium seats. You're not supposed to sit in every other one, right? So they even have caution tape. So we had gotten separated. I don't know if I'd gone to the bathroom or what. So I look down and I see him. He wanted to sit by a friend from church. And I see him moving the caution tape like this. And I'm like, oh, great. And so I go and I just, I sit down with him. And I just feel like everyone is like, Staring at us. Like the people we're around, like they can't follow the rules. Look at them. They think they're their exception and I'm just sitting there. And not three minutes later, someone came, excuse me, y'all are not supposed to be sitting here. So I just had to get up. So he'll break the rules, ask for forgiveness. And uh, so that's the differences in us. And um, even in a personality test, there's a thing that was like, in our, uh, our differences, that I am, I get easily agitated by people who think the rules don't apply to them. <laughs> And so I was reading it loud, like three times. But uh, so it's different. And I'm more so led by feelings and Josh is more so led by facts. And just another quick example, I had a medical test and I had to be on a certain diet for like two days. And so they tell me, here's diet, do this so you can have these results, you know, so it can, whatever. Okay, yes, that's it, I got it. He sits me down. why that? Why you have to eat that? Why can't it be like this? How come you can't eat this? Why why is it tested? So instead of getting aggravated, which, uh, you know, is normally the default. I just real quick Google and it's like, this is why. And and I just listed out the things, what it said online for him and he's like, okay. So (laughs) I'm not saying I'll always respond that way, but just a tip, (laughs) do what they need instead of what bothers you because it's different. (laughs) And so uh, learn from my bad example, but okay, we're different, right? Everybody can be, but ways that we can celebrate our differences are one, number one is acknowledging my spouse's way is sometimes not wrong, but just different. Sometimes you're wrong, right? Sometimes you're just wrong and you need to admit that, but sometimes it's not and it's just different from the way we would want to do something or see mm. something. And then the second thing is asking for my spouse's perspective that just gives them value also, um, that you value the way seeing something different. And appreciating my spouse's strength, instead of it being you're aggravated that it's different from yours, um, because God made you that way. Think about it, your weakness it could be their strength, and God has given that to you to help grow your your weaknesses and vice versa, and so instead of seeing it as just like such a roadblock, see it as just a blessing that God's using that person in your life, so.
0: Amen. Amen. That's <laughs> good stuff. And I, and I think for us, you know, <clears throat> if I'm being a bit transparent, I I would be on Lindsay for how emotional she was. Like, why are you so emotional over this? Like, just get over it. Like, you know, if someone would say something or if something would happen, like she would just process it and process it and process it and want to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And I'm like, we talked about it the first time. Like, I already forgave them. You need to. And, and I, I was holding that against her for so long because she had so many feelings, um, whereas I don't feel. Uh, she would ask me like, what do you feel about that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I feel in this. I'm not just, I just know that I should. And so what she's brought into my life is the ability to feel in this moment. How do you feel about this? And, and for me to process through like, how do I feel about this? Um, and then for me to help her navigate to be able to move on from things and not continue to live in Uh, in what people think or what people say, which can be debilitating. And so now coming to a place of us acknowledging, like, that's a strength of yours, um, being emotional and having feelings in this, um, I have the ability to move on and, like, let's, let's not stay here. So not holding that against each other because I would shame her for it, and that was my fault for so much of that. Um, but now realizing like that is an incredible gift that she brings into my life and, and that she brings to our church and brings to just to her life. And so celebrating those things. And so I, would, I think one question just to ask yourself is, what is it that's about your spouse, if, you're, if your spouse are engaged or just even friendships? What is it that they do that is very different than yours? And then asking yourself, could I learn from that? Is that a good thing? Instead of demonizing them for that, Could we celebrate that and use that as a tool uh, to help bring us closer and do more together? So first one, celebrating differences. Let me go to number two. I'm gonna talk about second log that we put on the fire is showing honor. Showing honor. Romans 12, 10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. And then it says this, outdo one another in showing what? Honor. In showing honor. Outdo, like we should actually, we are very competitive. more so probably me than her but she can get in it and now we have three three boys that are unfortunately extremely competitive and so we're very competitive and and so and so this verse actually speaks to me cuz it's like be competitive and seeing who can out honor one another yeah. who can out honor each other now honor let me give you a definition of honor honor means value worth or weight value worth or weight honor and how many of you agree that honor is leaving our society right now faster than ever? Like there's like, a, there's like a drain in honor. People are more dishonoring now, whether you look in politics or social media or news or, or children, uh, just the way that people, uh, there's just such a lack of honor, lack of honor for authority, lack of honor for so many things. And actually scripture tells us that, that as the days progress, there will be this. But how much more should this be as followers of Christ that this raises in our life, that we're outdoing honor, figuring out ways to honor one another. And I I, I like it to the difference between a nice china plate and a plastic plate. You treat them very differently. So we eat a lot on plastic or paper plates just because nobody wants to do the dishes around our house. Um, But we have very fine china that is, guess what, that's in a cabinet. That very rarely gets, gets even touched, which is a bit mind, <laughs> I, I don't understand wh- why, why we have, we have it if we don't why use do we have it? silverware and stuff that doesn't get, anyways, it's a whole nother thing. That's, we're just different. I celebrate that. And so, uh, <laughs> celebrate that. I'm like, we could we could sell this stuff. Okay. So
1: <laughs> I think that about some tools, but anyway, Oh!
0: <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. All right, we'll keep the China. Okay, so, so, so yet again, though, my paper plates aren't in the, they're not hung up in there. Like, look at this. Y'all like these? Why? Because they're of lesser value, lesser worth, lesser weight to us. You can chunk it, drop one on the floor, throw it away, grab another one. Drop one of these on the floor, though. Not good. Why? Because it's different honor, different weight. Watch this. When we get into relationships, there's usually very high honor. We value them, we have, they have a lot of weight in our lives, and over time, just due to maybe seeing different things about them, we, we begin to lack the honor. We begin to dishonor more. And, and if you really want to have a relationship that is thriving, you have, to, you have to be a person who really shows honor. Now, watch this. Respect is earned, but honor is given. I'm going to say that one again. Respect is earned, but honor is given. So you may may, may do things that I don't necessarily respect, but I do have to honor you. And and the same is, I mean, same as with with our president or with our governor or with people in power, I don't maybe have the highest respect for you, but I do honor you, which means a a totally different things because uh, I don't have to wait for you to deserve it for me to give it. So I don't have to wait for her to, for me to feel like she's in a place where I have to now give honor. Like she gets honor, one, just because she's a, a daughter of the king and the high value that he places on her, but she's my wife. And the level, level of honor that I give is determined by the amount of value I perceive. You dishonor things that you devalue, but what you value, you highly honor. So if, if, if the queen was to rock, walk into the room, most would, would stand. Well, why, why do we do that? Because it's the value that people put on someone. And so the level of honor that we give is based off of the value that we perceive in them. Watch what Ecclesiastes says. In Ecclesiastes 9, talking about us that are married, it says, live what? Happily. Come on, let's say that one again. You, you know you have to say that word actually while smiling. <laughs> happily. Okay. <laughs> Just stick around a little bit. Live happily with the woman you love. Now watch this. Through all of the... How I many know there's a lot more of those? There's a lot of those. And that God has given us these under the sun, and the wife God gives you is your? Is, is she's my reward for all of my earthly toil. So let's talk about ways that we can honor. You want to you help me with this? So there's three ways that you can show honor. So if you're not quite sure if you're honoring or not honoring to your spouse, to your best friend, to your boss... All of these work, by the way, these, this is across the board in any relationship, three ways that we can give honor, which by the way, the Bible says for us to honor God, honor God. Um, but let's see how we honor people. First one.
1: Number one is prioritize, right? That's something that can get easily overlooked. And a lot of times it's not the bad things in a, a relationship that destroy it. It's the good things that are just out of order, Right. And so how often have you heard, you don't spend enough time with me. You know, the kids don't get to see you often. You're not around. You're so you're always in your computer. You're always in your phone. You're always. So we have a a skewed thing of uh, prioritizing a wrong way. And um, you know what often gets a priority, right? It's your job and your kids. And if you're a mom, you definitely know that that they can take all of your energy, all of your time. And once you become a mom, they can tell you what time you wake up the time you go to bed, if you can eat, if you can shower, when you can shower, you know, do you have this time for yourself to do something else? Or are you driving them back and forth here and there? And so your schedule's filled up by either your job and your kids. And so it's just so easy with our, the demands of our day to misprioritize um, our, our, hu- our husbands, our wives, our relationships. And um, you have to remember, though, before you're a, before you're a mom, you're a wife. I married him before I had kids. Or even if you didn't, if you did it out of order, it doesn't matter, it's not what I'm saying, but the priority is, is Jesus and God, and then your husband, then your kids. Because once the, the kids, they're not living with you forever, hopefully, right? They are moving on out. And if you haven't prioritized this, they're, if you haven't heard it before, they're gonna move out and you're not gonna know this person. And how are you going to now continue a relationship that wasn't founded and built the right way and prioritized the right way um, because everything went into your kids or your job? And so, um, or you lose that job and then you lose, you know, your identity in a sense instead of, and that marriage could fall apart because you haven't been prioritizing your marriage and that has to come first. And so um, we have a survey actually about date nights and it says, how often do you... have date nights with
0: your spouse. So, six percent of y'all do a date every week. Twenty-six uh, percent of y'all do a date twice a month. Twenty-eight percent do a couple times a month. Uh, Sixteen do a couple times a year. A quarter of you said date night. What is that? One out of every four marriages in here have probably the last date you went on. You said I do. So this, this is a problem. Yes, yes it is. So the good thing is half of y'all do, um, but there's, there's a number of you that it's only a couple of times a year, um, or it's been so long that you don't, don't even remember. And so this, something as simple as just a night with each other, without kids, without phones, without whatever, does major dividends to relationships. And usually what I'll hear oftentimes, I hear this all the time, we don't have any money. Well, I know when you were single, you didn't have any money either. (laughs) But you found a way to woo that woman and somehow figure out a way to get money to go do something. Which, by the way, you know, dates don't have to be expensive. I mean, you can do a picnic in the backyard and just lock your kids in the house. I mean, you could just... Come on, somebody. It's about intentionality and priority. It's not so much about... Uh, it's got to be expensive and a steakhouse and a, you know, a hotel and all that stuff. I mean, if you can do those things,
1: Yeah, or turning great. off the TV at night and connecting instead of you know, just vegging out or whatever. And I know everybody's tired, right? You're tired at the end of the day, but again, what's your priority? Your marriage, because what you're going to add into is what you're going to get and the things that you um, put into will grow. And, and, and I think so- you prove
0: your priorities based off of what you sacrifice and your time. So, so when we, when we put off like, ah, I don't have time for date nights, but then they see us go hunting or they see us, they see us go buy this or they see us go do this. um,
1: Making meetings with people, making meetings with other people.
0: Absolutely. Then, then that is communicating. um, You're just not worth my time. Uh, my time is here, or, or you're not worth my sacrifice, or if they see us buying things, but, but yet for some reason don't have money to go, go out or go do something, yet again, that's something. So what is it currently getting your sacrifice and your time? Here's, here's a question that, that I want to pose for us to ask, and this is for those that are married. If your marriage is the most important thing to you, do your priorities reflect that? Do your priorities show that that is the case? And if it doesn't, this is a great, this is, this is not meant to be shameful. This is meant to be helpful for you to go, man, you're right. Like, we need to get some stuff in the right place. Maybe we've allowed kids to take the front seat. Maybe we've allowed our careers to, to do everything. And so uh, Lindsay will, will very often just tell me, hey, like, we need to go. So for the most part, for us, every other Thursday is, is our date night. Um, we've just recently started inst- instilling that back into our relationship because we're both extremely busy, and our schedules get filled up with other counseling meetings and just so many other things, life, school, basketball, I mean, you name it. But the greatest thing I can give my kids is a Christ-centered, thriving marriage. I'm going to say that again. The greatest thing I can give my boys is a Christ-centered, thriving marriage. When I love her well, then I can love them well. If I don't love her well, then I can't love them well. It begins It begins there. So another way that we show honor is not, prior, not just prioritizing, but it's praise. Praise. Proverbs 31, we all know, is kind of the, the, the chapter of the godly woman. Proverbs 31, the very end, verse 31 says, Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Watch this. Honor has a language, and honor's language is Praise encouragement, words of life. Think about the reasons that you married your spouse and what it is that you loved about them. Listen, we're quick to point out all the things we don't like and we're actually very quick to even vocalize them. Um, But I want to encourage us to remind them often. One of the ways that I honor her is to remind her often of what I love about her, to encourage her to be the person that God has created her to be. And so I wanna help us very, very practically today. I think one of the things, just this is one homework thing that I'm gonna ask everybody in here to do. Uh, if you're married to do this with the person that you're married with, um, and if you wanna do this with other people in your life, your, your small group leader or your, you know, your friend, is I want you to write a note, text a note, message a note, and here's how the note's going to go. I'm going to give you the template. Here's the template. The note goes like this. Dear such and such, I know that I don't say this enough, but I really want you to know that I think you're, and you fill in the blank of whatever kind of praise you want to give them, and I'm so grateful for, and you fill in the blank of what's going on. So, Lindsay, I know I don't say this enough, but I really want you to know that I think you're Absolutely amazing, full of wisdom. I think you're one of the greatest mothers that I've ever met. You are incredibly insightful. You love Jesus with all your heart. And I am so grateful for what you do for not only our home, but what you do for this church, what you do for the boys, and everything you do behind the scenes that you never get credit for. But I want you to know I love you. Mwah. <laughs> yeah. you do Thank you. <laughs> 20 points. All right, so. No, I, I and I, we laugh at that, but I want to encourage you to do that. When is the last time you've done that? Hey, man, I see how much you work. I know it's been stressful. I know it's been hard. I just want you to know I see it. I love you. It's, it's just huge. It's just huge, and, and we're quick to be critical. We're not quick to praise. So yet again, it's leaving our culture now. Honor's leaving our culture. One of the ways that... Honor is not honor unless it's spoken. Unless it's spoken. It needs to be it needs to be said.
1: And just like if you travel, maybe not as much lately, but at the airport, you know, they say, if you see something, say something. And just like, you know, with other people, if you see, see it, say it. Because if it doesn't come out of your mouth, they didn't, you know, like you may thinking you're appreciating them. But if you're not vocalizing it, they don't know that any kind of relationship. But I think like it's so easy sometimes to say it to our kids or our friends, but it's sometimes harder to Mm. because you just take it for granted that they know they know how I feel about them but they probably don't because you're not saying it enough. And yeah, I used so to say back to in the forget. day,
0: like I would tell her all the time, she's like, you don't say, you know, you love me enough. And I said, if it changed, I'd let you know. <laughs> okay, I'm, listen, listen, okay. Let, don't judge me. Take your halos and put them off. Minus 20. <laughs> you lost your Back point. in the day. Yeah, that was
1: a long was time back ago. Back in the day. That I've never
0: said time. that in a long time. Yeah, so. it has been a long time. I'm just trying to teach y'all from my failures, okay?
1: (laughs) But the next thing we can do is we can protect. We can protect each other. Um, Anything that has value in your life, it's protected, right? You got your lawnmower in your shed that's locked or your guns in your cabinet, and it's locked, you're protected. You don't want somebody to come in and easily be able to take it. And we have to fight to protect each other, to guard each other, to have each other's backs. And the biggest thing, and I'd say maybe for women, but I'm sure, no, I'm going to say for both, is that um, watch what you say about your spouse when they're not around. How are you speaking about them when they're not there? Because what are you portraying? And it's just so easy to get stuck into a conversation that's devaluing and that's not protecting and that's not guarding. So the enemy wants to be able to find a way in, right? I just have to say this. Okay, so I heard a podcast that sounded like I was watching it, but it was about the top um, apex predators. And the top apex predator in nature is a killer whale. And it's because um, they all are in packs. They stay like a, a, together. They have a secret, like not a secret because it's not a secret. They, we don't know what they're saying, but they communicate <laughs> with each other secret like with us. noises. Yeah. And they stay together and they'll find the loneliest um, animal and uh surround it, whether it's a whale, whether it's another shark. And they they get it uh, like stuck together with them, but they give it a way out that looks like it's a way out. And as the animal tries to get out, they attack it and um, kill it. And that's how, that's one of the reasons why they're the top predators. And that's just so much like the enemy. He wants us to think, hey, like come over here. It's better over here. You know, with our marriage, like we think it's easier to just bring them down and not protect them. But if we stay together, when we're alone, and when we um, get away from um, each other and not protecting each other, we're vulnerable and we're open to attack,
0: so. That's, that's good, that's <laughs> really good. Thank yeah, you Matt yeah. Chandler
1: for uh, listening to that, uh, giving me that analogy. And anyway, I'll no. say
0: the same thing in regards to not just, not just our marriages, but friendships, church, job, boss, employees, coworkers. What do we say when they're not around? We could honor them to their face and dishonor them behind their back. I'm telling you, and and what you say about people when they're not around speaks more about you than it does about them. And so just being mindful that that this is, this is all encompassing in everything that we do as, as just followers of Christ. is what do, we, what do we say about people? How do we honor people just for the value that God has placed on them? Every person has value. Every person matters. So, you know, no matter what it is, even people that are different than us, don't vote like us, don't look like us, don't act like us. Like, how, how do we speak of them? Um, to them and behind them. Um, it just speaks, It just speaks so much, and this is just such a thing there so all right let 's talk about the third so so celebrating differences, mm-hmm. showing honor another way we put a log on the fire is
1: overlook offenses, overlook offenses in Proverbs, what are those? <laughs> you don 't have those uh, Those come up often, right we 're constantly bombarded with the opportunity to be offended, um, and we have a very offendable culture. We live in a very offendable culture. And um, Proverbs nineteen eleven says, good sense makes one slow to anger, but it is to His glory to overlook an offense. It's not mm-hmm. God's glory to overlook an offense. We're living in this world, we're walking things out. And it's to our benefit, God's giving us a, a little key here. It's our benefit if we can overlook an offense. And number one, if you're at the point where you can't overlook it, you need to go talk to the other person and have yeah. a one-on-one conversation, that's biblical. But if it's saying, if it's something you can get over, let it go, get over it, move on with your life, and that's how one way we can um, add another log to the fire. Because the question is that offenses are, it's not that they're not gonna come, right? Offenses are gonna come, but it's how we respond to them and how we react um, when they do. and. Um, I I didn't get to ask him before to share this but he was little so I'll share it anyway (laughs) when Judah was in preschool he would wear boots to school even with shorts but I let him because he loved it and so these little boots to school and he would actually put the little rocks from the uh, the little tiny pebbles the rocks and in his boots but yet he would feel other things if a sock felt wrong he would feel the sock wrong and didn't like it but he could put all these little rocks in his shoe and he would get home, he would dump it out. And I remember like calling Miss Mara, like, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to, you know, pay to have some rocks put back in the school because <laughs> he keeps taking the rocks and putting them in his, in his shoes. But if just like a little rock in your shoe, um, it begins as annoying, but if you left that there, it's going to cause some problems. It's going to, you know, like cut your foot, um, have mm-hmm. some greater issues. So we have to not let those offenses build. And this biggest thing is unmet expectations is the breeding ground of offenses in relationships. Yes. And everybody said amen because it hasn't even been spoken. They don't know what's in your head and you're expecting them to. And then you're getting offended by something that they have no idea even happened. It's a pretty bad trap, right? And so, um, we all carry this, uh, just invisible book of rules. I have I honestly, I had so many rules for myself for different things, and um, it just gets you in trouble. And you don't know
0: that when you get married. Yeah. You don't realize that they have an invisible book of all these rules, roles and expectations on you until you get married, and you don't realize they have this invisible book until you break one of the rules. <laughs> then when you break the rule, they let you know that was a rule that you didn't know was actually there, but it's <laughs> now there. And, and by the way, with women, the rules always change. <laughs> It's in pencil. So they wrote it.
1: <laughs> that's all right in my calendar, right? With a pencil. You didn't know five
0: years later that rule changed because now there's a kid that's added. So it changed the rule and then they did this and that changes the rule. So you need to stay up on the rules, okay? <laughs> uh, but the problem is you can't stay up on the rules because expectations are usually, first off, unspoken. They're unspoken. Um, expectations. So I, I I just created a list of stuff. So if you're like about to get married, you need to be taking extra extra notes right here. I'm going to help you out in incredible ways. But I, let me just I'm going to just give you four areas that expectations often get tripped up in, and you have to communicate these. And if you don't, somebody's going to get offended. I know it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm going to give you a first one money. Money's one. All right. So you just got to start asking the question like who's providing. Are you working? Am I working? Are we both working? Is there expectations for both of us to work? Is there expectation for you not to work and for me to work? Who pays the bills? Is there expectation that I pay the bills, you pay the bills, we pay the bills? Who's paying the bills together? Because there ain't nothing worse than both thinking the other person's paying the bill and no pill and you got electricity off. (laughs) Not good. Um, Who manages the budget? Do we have a budget? <laughs> Are we going to do a budget? Are we not going to do a budget? Who's going to manage that? Um, how do we make decisions? Um, at what point do we, do we make a decision about $5 meals? Do we make decisions when it gets to 20 when it gets to $100? There ain't nothing worse than going, making all this money and coming home and there's no money, and you go, how, why, wait, why did you buy that? I see Amazon, 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 Amazon wait, what in the world? Like, what's, what's going on here? And there's no communication as to, like, what are we doing? And so, you know, for Lindsay and I, that, that's been a big deal for us financially. We discuss almost everything financially for the most part. We do have budgets in all of our areas of life. I manage all of our money. It's, I used to. She used to. It was
1: very stressful. And it was.
0: So this is what we learned. Yet again, this goes back to celebrating differences. I don't mind pressure and stress. I got pretty big shoulders. So when we were tight... It didn't bother me. When we were tight and she was managing it, she was stressed beyond belief. Yes. And so I said, listen, one of the ways I can help our relationship is, I'll take the money, I got it. So for the most part, she doesn't even know what's in our account. She knows a little bit, but not that much. I know it because I can bear it. And when we're tight, I know. I'll say to her, hey, let's not get that right now. Let's not get that right now. And she goes, okay. Because she trusts me. I've, I've been wise with it. I manage it well. Um, but that's a strength that I bring to our relationship. And because of trust, going back to two, because of trust, she can go, okay, you got it. And, and so when she's like, hey, I want to go buy these shoes, great. And it's not like I've got to sign off on everything um, because she can, you know, do things on her own, but that's an area where we got to do it. So money's a big one and money gets tripped up all the time.
1: Yes. And I was going to say, we have to keep in mind that sometimes the, um, template for these things are uh, framed in us from childhood what we saw mm. our parents doing so maybe your dad did this one way and the mom did this and so maybe my mom did one thing one way and his mom did another and we come together it's like no I'm supposed to be doing no you so all the a lot of tension can Um, come from that because we were raised in different ways, seeing different roles played out different ways. So knowing you have to figure out what works for you, or it may be against culture, like that thing, like the man does this and the woman does this. No, like we're two people who are different from everybody else and have different circumstances. And for our family, for this to work, you need to do this and I need to do this and we need to come together and agree. So sometimes we have to take out how we were raised or how we see culture doing Which
0: leads into the next one, which is the house. That's a big one. So who cooks, who cleans? Yet again, if it was based off of stereotypes, it might have been like, I expected my wife to do all that, or I expected the husband to do all that. If my mom or dad did that, who takes care of the yard? Who fixes the things that break? Um, who changes the toilet paper? Come on, somebody.
1: <laughs> Could be a source is, is of. Uh... My
0: expect my expectation is, if you did the last drop, last thing, <laughs> yeah. it's on you. It's on anybody feel that way, and you got to put it, you got to put it over the top. Okay, this- don't you be going, don't you be going backwards. Yeah. That's my rule. Okay. King of the house. And so, uh, the king needs his toilet paper. <laughs> so, hey, but listen, however funny that is, isn't it amazing how incredibly upset you can get over something as simple as that, <laughs> like, does the laundry supposed to go in the basket? Is it good enough? It's around the basket. Is it? Yeah. Yup. But it's there. Okay. Little pebbles, little pebbles, little pebbles, little pebbles, little pebbles, little pebbles. Get in the car and there's no fuel. Who is supposed to fill it up? Okay. That's your rule. But who knows? I mean, maybe her rule was uh, that her dad always filled it all up. So it was my expectation. The, the car starts breaking down. Her expectation was I was supposed to fix the car. I've never fixed a car in my life. <laughs> My expectation is we take it to O'Reilly's or we take it somewhere else and we let an expert do that. Like, so it's, it's even some of that is celebrating differences, celebrating strengths. I know what I'm really good at. I know what I'm not really good at. She's expecting me to do something that I'm maybe not really good at. And, and maybe she's not good at it, but I've got to figure it out. Who's, who's leading the home spiritually? I mean, so many things. Okay, kids, 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 kids. How many are we gonna have? Like you need to communicate that. How many do you want? How many? How close do you want them? I know, now, I know God plays a factor in all of this, but you still need to communicate those things. Who's going to discipline? So, so, you know, when Lindsay's home by, by herself and I'm not there, then, you know, she does it a lot. When I step into the house, there's an expectation that dad is taking over. Dad, you got it now. Now, I don't know if that's true for your home, but I know it is in ours. I walk in the house and she's like, I've been spanking all day. I'm going to pass the baton on to you. Now, we don't do that as much anymore because our kids are older. but uh, It's
1: ask your dad now when he gets home instead of me answering the Yeah, so the 75, yesterday one of our boys was asking
0: if he can spend the night at someone's house. We have a rule that if we don't know the parents, it is off limits. You cannot spend the night at their house. If we don't know the parents, I'm sorry. It's just how it is. One son kept asking her and asking her, and she's sitting right by me. He keeps asking. He keeps asking. And so then I get a text on my phone, Dad, can I stay at their house? Mom told me to ask you. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no, you can't. Yet again, part of us is, is us communicating on this. Um, who, who disciplines? Who gets up in the middle of the night? If I got to work the next day, do you expect me still to get up? Am I not? I mean, that's where, this is where frustration stuff can happen. Who bathes them? Who wipes them? <laughs> um, how many activities will the, will the kids get to do? Who decides that? Who's going to what? We're all, the, all over the place. Okay, so this is there. Uh, let me give you another one. Intimacy, now let's get into this one. I'll let Lindsay take this one. No, I'm joking. So um, who plans date nights? Is it on the wife? Is it on the man? Is the the wife expecting the man to do it because that's what he did during the dating? And is it, she's getting frustrated now because nobody goes on dates and everybody's expecting the other person to do it? Like, who's doing that? Who initiates when it comes to intimacy? How often? Is there an expectation of how often? Um, How do you feel loved? Are you satisfied? Like, all of these are unspoken expectations, Unspoken expectations that oftentimes get um, not spoken, get broken, and then unmet expectations become frustrations, and and frustrations that's lasting a long time becomes bitterness, which leads to which leads to hard hearts, and leads to eventually even divorce. So unspoken. And then the next one we gotta, we got to keep rolling is...
1: Unrealistic.
0: Unrealistic expectations.
1: Yep, we're expecting something from uh, a person that only God can give us. And that, if you've seen it play out, it's not just in your marriage. It can be in any relationship that you have that you are putting so much stock on one person. They, you are putting so much weight on them, a weight that they, are not, they have not intended to bear and that they can't bear. And that's something that we should be getting from God and not from um, other people. We're putting too much stock into them meeting our every need. It's just not... Um, and if you, have, if
0: you bought into the Disney Lifetime movies, we bought into it more than we think, thinking that Prince Charming is going to save me from all my pain. And then when I keep having pain and they don't save it, we get mad at them because we expected something of them to do in my heart that only God could do. And so if you don't first find your fulfillment, by the way, in Jesus first, you will try to put Jesus' responsibilities on someone that is not Jesus. And so one of the things that's the most sexiest about my wife is she loves Jesus more than me. And I love that because then, because of that, she doesn't try to put things onto me that she knows she needs to go to the Lord with. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it's the greatest gift for those that are single in here. No person completes you. I don't care what Jerry Maguire says. They don't complete you. Two, two half people don't make a whole, they just make two broken people. Yeah. Oh. So we gotta find wholeness and completeness. Listen, Jesus, the savior of the world, was single and complete and content and satisfied, and so was the apostle Paul. So I don't need someone to have to complete me by any regards, um, and, and, and when I find that. But yet again, that also doesn't mean that I have to be single all the time. I can desire to wanna be married. I just need to make sure that I'm realistic in what I'm looking for and I don't set unrealistic expectations on someone that just never can fulfill that. Um, it's, it's painful there. So Song of Solomon's, verse two in, uh, chapter 2, two, fifteen says.
1: Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards for our vineyards are in blossom. So how many of you know, um, some of the big issues in your life are big now because you de- didn't deal with them when they were smaller? It just grew and grew and you added on, you added that offense, you added this, you added this, you added this. And now it's huge and overwhelming and you don't even know how to deal with it. And I've found with us, crisis, big things happening, we are on the same page. We can work together. We, you know, not saying you don't have little arguments, but like in big things, we are good. It's the dumb, stupid little fights that can, you know, trip you up over whether it's the toilet paper or the this or that, the unmet expectations, all those things that are little, that seem little, they're not when they've built up. Mm -hmm. And so we really have to watch and um, watch that we're we're not having things build up and not getting tripped over the little things that um, Scripture warns us over. And um, offense is an event, but offended is a decision. You can have that offense, you can let it go, like the Bible said, or you can go talk to them. But to be offended, you're choosing that. Amen. You've chosen to stay there. God has provided ways for you to work through that, get out of that. And again, like, there may be a person that you can't work things out with. And if you're not married to them, you have to separate yourself from them. Or if it's a dangerous situation, if you are married. But if not, you do it to the best of your ability, get protecting your heart and watching your heart from bitterness and offenses. You have a choice in that.
0: Yeah. All right. Number four, last log that we put on, which we left for last because it is the most important of all of them, and that is to pursue Jesus. Jesus left out of the equation of any marriage is just undoubtedly going to fail. And so we, Matthew six thirty three, we continually come back to this, but this is a driving theme for all of us when it comes to our relationship with God, but seek first First, his kingdom and his righteousness and, and all these other things will be, will be given to us. It doesn't take two to make a great marriage. It takes three. Yeah, I can. Takes three. And in a Christ-centered marriage, God is number one. She's number two. And as long as I keep it in that, in that order, um, we can work through some, some things that, were there, that, that are there. I wanna read a statistics and we're gonna close with this. There's a statistic that says that for every 2.5 marriages in our nation right now, one will end in divorce, divorce. So one out of 2.5 will end in divorce. But watch this. If a, if a couple commits to going to church and being plugged into a life-giving church, reading God's word and praying together, the statistic goes to one out of every 1,105 couples. Talk about a game changer right there. And the only thing that was added, only thing was added was being connected in a life-giving church and spending time with Jesus. That's, that's what I call the God factor. Yes. The God factor. Uh, you don't grow accidentally, you grow intentionally. And, and so I, I, wanna, I wanna show you, I wanna end today actually with a great survey. Um, so one of the survey questions that we asked is, does your spouse go to church with you? Great, this is great. Almost 90% of you said yes. 90% of you, that's awesome, that's awesome. And I'm praying for the 11. Amen. I'm praying for the 11. We're believing with you. We're believing that God's gonna, that's God, God's gonna make a shift there. But this is how you have healthy relationships. Not just going to church, though, but just pursuing Jesus and getting in his word and allowing God to do. And I, I just wanna encourage you just to reorient your schedule. Yet again, honor is priority. So making church a priority. Like, we don't get up on Sundays and wonder for going to church on Sunday. That's right, right? That's right. It's, not, it's like, that's off the, that's off the table, I mean, unless someone's throwing up, we're here. Like, and, and that's not because this is my job. Like, we're here if I wasn't preaching. Like, this is a priority for our family to be in church. Life groups for us is a priority. I have a herd group on Saturday. Come on, all my men in here. Come on, we got a herd on. We got, Lindsay's got a life group that, that she leads as well, like priority with relationships. Um, we do priorities with our, with our boys, date nights, um, spending time in God's word. Um, that's a priority. Um, Praying together, that's a priority. I'm just telling you, set those things as priorities and and, and just watch what God does. Just watch what God does. He can do things that he can do things you've been trying to do for years. And it's going to take some time, but I just want to encourage you to do that. And for those who feel like the fire in your marriage has gone out, hey, just throw some new logs on it. Throw some logs on, celebrate the differences, and show honor, and uh, go through this, and pursue Jesus, and overlook offenses. These are, these are all small things, and, and, and even things, we probably didn't tell y'all anything today that you didn't know. You know these things. But just to remind you, remind you that, that these are the small things that can trip us up. These are the small things that can take logs off of the fire. These are the small things that we don't, we don't um, put our time and attention to and, th- and then realize that they're the things that are causing so much of the, of the fire to go out. And, and here's, here's how, I just wanna encourage you. And if you feel like all the fire's out, here's the beauty. You can rebuild a new one. The, the great thing about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a fire. The Holy Spirit is a flame. God is an all-consuming fire. And how many know if we can just start with that one and invite Jesus into the middle of it, how many know he can bring fire to a place that was dormant and dead for a lot of years? Yep. And so I wanna pray for us today as we, as we end. Would you just bow your heads in this place? And uh, Lindsay and I just wanna pray for all of us today Father, I pray, Lord, for those that are in here that maybe it's, um, the fire has, has completely gone out. And God, I thank you that you are the master rebuilder. You can come in and you can, you can take such damaged and what seems to be dead relationships and bring them back to life. This is what you do. And God, I, I, we recognize the strategies of the enemy and his desire to divide and to destroy and to dampen down. But God, I pray by the breath of the Holy Spirit, right now you would begin to breathe new life again. God, I pray that you would breathe hope again. God, I pray that you would breathe love again, forgiveness again. Hope again. God, I pray that right now, Lord, over every person that's in here. God, I pray, Lord, for, for those that, that maybe their relationships is not it's not it's not dead, but it's it's just not where it used to be. Lord, maybe it's going good, like y'all we're good. But God, I pray that you would even breathe even new life into that. God, may you take it to new levels. New levels, new passions and new flames, God, that you want to bring. Lord, I pray those that are in here that that are single, that desire that for themselves. God, that, that you would um, give them, Lord, not only the, the patience to wait for what you have for them, but God, just to believe and to trust you. God, for them to find wholeness in you first and foremost. And God, that out of that, Lord, that this would be sw- some of the greatest seasons that they have. God, that you would set them on fire to do incredible things for you and God, for their family and for their future. Lord, we, Lord, we honor you. We, we, we commit to pursuing you first, you first. And God, I pray that if you're here in this room and you know, man, we just have not put Jesus first. I just, right there where you are, just make that, make that uh, declaration today. God, we, we wanna put you first. God, you wanna, we want you first. You're first in our relationship. You're first in our marriage. You're first in our home. God, you're first in our hearts. Today, we, we acknowledge that, that sin wants to put us at, as first our own desires, our own things. But God, we we set those aside. We repent of those. We turn to you. We place you first and foremost in our life, God. Lord, and we love you. God, thank you for all that you wanna do today and all that you're wanting to do continually through these relationships. We submit them to you. We give them to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise? Can y'all give it up for my wife today? John? love you, babe.